Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about the subject of rewards, and this program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was talking about rewards in the sense that we may receive physical crowns, that that is a possibility with regards to how these rewards might be represented. I did suggest that some of the descriptions of crowns could very well be abstractions and not necessarily physical, real crowns of some sort. They may not really be a crown per se that would be placed on your head, but it could just simply be a word that describes the nature of the recognition that a person may receive. And the reason why I'm suggesting this is only because there does not appear to be enough concrete information in the scriptures to be able to say with absolute certainty that this would be the case. And I explained some of the reasons why I would say that in the previous program. But in this program, I'd like to begin by saying that there is still some additional concrete information that would show that there could very well be physical crowns, but not necessarily the ones that people are looking at in terms of what would be given as a reward. For example, in the Revelation, we have in chapter 4, verses 6 through 11, the description of crowns that 24 elders have. Beginning in verse 6, it says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So we do have a description right here in the Revelation chapter 4 of some real crowns of some kind that are removed from the elders' heads. They remove them and they cast them down before the throne. And so it could very well be that the Lord does give crowns as rewards. I'm only saying that we don't have enough to be certain what the criteria is that he uses, what they really are, what they really represent, how they will genuinely be used. But I read this because sometimes people will look at this passage and they will say, well, regardless of what crowns I receive, whatever I receive, if there is something that I really do receive, 
then it's something that I also will throw down to the feet of God. And I just want to have as many crowns to throw down to the feet of God as I can. Well, this passage refers to the 24 elders in the context of worship. It doesn't say that you're necessarily going to be one of those 24 elders. You, you might be, but it doesn't necessarily say that, doesn't necessarily mean that. And if you are given a set of crowns, you may not have the opportunity like they have in order to present them to the throne of God in the same way that they did. So I believe that a lot of what people believe is in itself speculation. So certainly, while I have speculated a lot in the program before this, and and I probably will do some more in this program, so also are a lot of other people who are speculating with regards to what they are going to receive and what they are going to do with it. Now, with regards to the conversations that I have with people about the subject of rewards and about the subjects of blessings and about the subject of works, what I do expect is I do expect that most of these people are going to be in heaven. I genuinely believe that the people who disagree with me about rewards and blessings and works and salvation, I really do believe that a lot of them will probably be in heaven. And if they are, then I want you to consider what this is going to possibly look like. If the people who believe that their works have something to do with their salvation— If those people enter into the presence of God, they're going to enter into the presence of God with the attitude that their salvation is going to be at least partially dependent on the works that they did, either to demonstrate their faith or to earn their salvation. However, a person may believe that their works are attached to their salvation, they're going to be there, and I suspect that many of them will probably be allowed entrance into heaven according to criteria that God will define. In addition to that, there are going to be people who thought that they were going to be blessed by God and probably believe that they were blessed by God because of their works. And there are people who are going to be there, who are there to collect rewards because they didn't get adequate compensation in the context of blessings while they were on earth. I believe that there will be some people who have that kind of an attitude, and the Lord will allow them to have entrance and to have a place in the kingdom of heaven. You know, when it comes to these works that people are doing, many of them do have the belief, they do have the attitude that their relationship with God now and their relationship with God in heaven will be dependent on their success in being repentant and obedient to God. For example, there's the Great Commission, where the Lord Jesus commissioned us to go forward and tell people about the gospel. There will be people who are there before God who will have this kind of an attitude that because they were very aggressive about their evangelism, about telling people about the Lord Jesus, about communicating the gospel, that they are effectively there for the purpose of getting recognition, rewarded, blessed, whatever it may be, position, status, they are going to get some compensation for all that they did in communicating the gospel because they obeyed commandments. They may not have obeyed all of the commandments, but they probably obeyed some of the commandments. Maybe they changed their diet. 
Maybe they decided to observe some of the festivals, the holy days, in the ways that they decided to observe them. It may not be in complete conformance to the Mosaic Law. For example, they might not have gone to Jerusalem to observe the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles and the such, but they did some, or they did more than you did. You know, they can compare themselves with you. And if they do that, then they're probably going to be there with the expectation that there is going to be some recognition. There are going to be some rewards for what they did do and also for what they did not do. What about whether or not their general deeds and their daily life conformed to the word of God or not? The more that it did, then the more that these people are going to be expecting to have compensation for this. If they encouraged other Christians towards greater acts of Christ-centered love, or if they did things that opposed the criticism that people have against the goodness of Christianity, they did a lot of good things in order to oppose those who did not consider Christianity to be the way, the real, true way of life, and they did good works in order to oppose the criticism that a lot of critics have towards religious people or because they displayed love towards others in their lives, and through that they glorified God. People have a lot of different ideas about what their works are, about what they do, through which they are either going to be saved, or they are going to be blessed, or they are going to be rewarded. You know, when it comes to salvation, most people will hold to the position that They are saved by grace through faith, because it is written. But there are others who will hold to the position that they're going to be blessed because of their works that they do. And if God fails to bless them in a way that they feel would be satisfactory, then they are going to go to heaven with the expectation that they are going to receive rewards, almost as if it is compensation for where God fell short in properly dispensing blessings to you during your life here on earth. Now, I realize that most of the people who are listening to me do not believe these things, but I want you to know that there are a lot of people who do believe these things. I encounter them all the time. This is one of the reasons why I am teaching this right now, is because these are common beliefs. But there is one thing that holds them all together. There's one thread, common thread, that runs through all of these, and that is that There is debt involved. There really is an attitude that people have that God owes them. And when they go to heaven, I believe that they will carry this attitude with them, or at least a lot of people will. They will carry this attitude with them that God effectively owes them something. He really does. You know, there are many ways that people express this kind of attitude. For example, I will ask people, well, why is it that you have decided that the Christian life for you is as you have described? That you believe that your Christian life is dependent on this list that you have generated here, and that this is what defines your Christian life. And I will ask people, why? Why do you pursue this if you know that you're not going to be able to earn your salvation because of this, you know that you'll never be officially blessed according to the criteria of the law because you'll never be perfect. So why do you do this? And people will genuinely say, I do this because I will be rewarded, because I will receive rewards. 
and I genuinely believe that one day they will go before the throne of God for the purpose of collecting on this debt. That this will be the attitude that they will have. I personally think this will be a short-lived attitude. I think the Lord will probably correct this quickly. But they are going to go before him with this attitude of they are going to collect what God owes them. I do genuinely get that sense from people when I question them about what they really believe, why they really believe it, and how they respond in their daily lives, how it is reflected in their lives as they live their lives. And so I genuinely believe that there will be an encounter that people will have when it comes to this. You know, Paul talked about this in a sense in Romans chapter 4. In the beginning of Romans chapter 4, Paul talked about this. Beginning in verse 1, it says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Remember the crown of righteousness I mentioned in the previous program? Again, it would be received because we believe him not because of our works, not as a reward, but simply because we believe the truth that he has revealed. Abraham was certainly not justified by works. If he was, in a sense, he would have something to boast about, but he would have something to boast about to you or to me. He would be able to make comparisons with other people. But God is not going to be impressed. That is not the criteria that he uses for our right standing with him, as much as some people would like that. Moving on into verse 4, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Again, in Romans chapter 4, verse 4, Paul said, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And I have encountered, and I continue to encounter people who do appear to relate to God in this way, that they do things with the expectation that they are imposing debt on God, that because of their religious activity, because of their works that they do, because of their expressions of love, goodness, because of their endurance, because of their refusal to engage in sin, because of their temperance, or because they tell people about the gospel. Because of this, they feel, they genuinely relate to others, and I believe they relate to God as if they are placing God in a form of debt. Now, of course, when I ask people about this, they, of course, deny it, but that doesn't mean that it still isn't true, and that that really is how they are relating to God. And, you know, there are people who relate to other people like this. I have encountered a lot of people, perhaps you know people, who relate to you in this way, that they do things for you, and when they do something for you, they like doing it because they will now relate to you in the context of debt that you now owe them, that there needs to be some reciprocation of some kind. And they will relate to you in this way that the more they do for you, the more you are indebted to them, and eventually, in some capacity, They are going to collect. And if you fail to respond appropriately, 
This is what they'll do. They'll remind you. They will say, you know what I did for you? I did all these things. I gave all this stuff. And this is how you repay me. This is what you do for me. This is how you treat me. That's because those things were not gifts. Those things were the imposition of debt. They were building this huge debt payment that you owed them. There are people who relate to others in this way, and so it is perfectly understandable as to why someone would relate to God in this way, especially if God suggests things that they can look at in the scriptures that can imply that this would be the case. And of course, because God is going to be honorable and just, he's going to pay what he owes. He is going to give rewards to who he owes. And so this does have great appeal to a lot of people. If they were told, if you were told, if you were a person, just consider how would your attitude be if you were a person like this, that you subtly lived in a way that you were putting God in debt and your idea of going to heaven was a collection experience. It was the opportunity or it will be, it will be the opportunity for you to go and collect from God what he owes you. You are looking forward to that day. If that is you, if that would be a genuine representation of what you believe, chances are it isn't, but there are people who do have that opinion, who do have that attitude. What happens if you find out, if you find out before you go to heaven, that he's not going to give you anything, that he's not going to reward you with anything? that he will not give you any acknowledgement or recognition at all. He just decides that he's not going to do that. What would happen to you? What would you do? There are a lot of people, if they found out, if they discovered that they are not going to be rewarded as they expect, they would no longer do those things. They would change their life. They would no longer be as obedient as they once were. Why bother to repent? Why bother to share the love of God? Why why bother living your life so that it is in conformity to the word of God if you're not going to be rewarded? The reason why people will ask those kinds of questions is because they have that kind of an attitude that that is why. That is why. You ask people, why do you do these things? And they will say, because I'm going to be rewarded, because I'm going to be blessed, because God is going to acknowledge me, because he's going to give me a better position in heaven, because he's going to give me more crowns that I can throw down at his feet. You know, these are the kinds of things that people genuinely come up with. I hear them all the time. But if they were to find out that none of this is going to be real, if that was taken away from them, they would lose their incentive. They genuinely live as if they have to have some kind of incentive to live this way. And if they don't get adequate compensation for what they go through, for what they give up, if they don't get that, then they don't have anything and they may decide to change their mind. So when they go and they encounter the living God and he explains this to them, that he is not going to relate to them in the context of debt, that that is not going to be the way that things are going to be. It will be a little bit of a surprise, perhaps, a little bit of a shock, a little bit of an adjustment, but I believe that people will get through it. I think 
things will work out just fine. That these people will probably be saved according to the criteria that God gives, even though they may be a little bit confused or immature in the faith, that they still might very well have a place and they'll just have to deal with some adjustments. In Romans chapter 4, verse 5, it says, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness, just as David also describes the blessedness of a man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Knowing that he will not impute to me sin, knowing that he will not hold my sins against me, that to me is the greatest blessing that I could ever receive, and I will be very thankful just for that. If I receive nothing else, no recognition, no acknowledgement, no rewards, and you know, if you were to evaluate my life and my Christian activity, if you were to really compare that with others who boast quite a bit, I probably could have a little bit more to boast about. If anyone was to receive rewards, maybe perhaps according to their list of criteria, I could get a lot of them. But I don't relate to God that way. I don't relate to my life that way. I do what I do because it is who I am. And I pursue Him because I want to know Him. And to me, knowing Him is the greatest reward. To be in His presence would be greater as well. But knowing him, to me, I want to know my God. And what greater reward could there possibly be to me than that? I I simply cannot think of one that I would be willing to exchange or that I would be willing to place in a higher order on the list of things that I would value. So what do I think, really, about rewards? I mean, I certainly have spoken a lot about the uncertainty that I have. To me, the idea of rewards, as I mentioned in the previous program, there will be two decisions, one decision for salvation and another decision that has something to do with rewards. My understanding, the way that I understand the idea of this decision concerning rewards is that it is a point of decision where there is closure of one life and the beginning of another. That, to me, is what rewards are really about. Rewards are a way of bringing closure, bringing an end to the previous life, the life that I have here on earth, that the rewards will be that point of decision where there will be a complete recognition of reality, that if there's something that I would like to understand, I'm sure the Lord will take the opportunity to share it with me, that he will also relate to me what he saw through his eyes about my former existence, about the way things were, about who I am, about who I became, about what I went through, and about how he participated in the life that I lived, that to me it is a moment of transition, a way of transitioning from one life to the next, and I don't expect to bring much of any of my previous life with me. To me, that will be a pivotal moment. It will be a milestone, in effect. It will be a marker to say that this is a definite point of change in my life, whereas the previous life will come to an end. But you know, that's a very different attitude compared with a lot of other people who want these rewards as something 
that will be of great meaning during their life after they enter into heaven. It is a way of saying that they do not want to bring an end to their life now, that they do not want the closure of their life here on earth, but instead they want some kind of continuation. And that I don't really share. I personally desire a real change and a new way of life in a new place, in a new home, in a new reality. And I don't think that a reward or a set of rewards that are used in order to keep the past alive, that are used in order to remember what happened every moment, rewards that continually remind me of the struggles that I had, of the things that I went through, the things that I overcame. While I do value those things a lot, I want something new. I genuinely do want something new. And I believe that heaven is an opportunity for that. And I believe that the reward ceremony will be the transition that God gives each one of us, will be a moment of recognition of the past and a moment to restart a new future. That is what I see in rewards. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,